This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love and be confident that every inch, stitch, sole and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, how to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, how to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. It's 106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Let's go. Hello, welcome to Patented. (laughs) I won't do that bit in American accent. Hello, welcome to Patented, a podcast all about the history of invention and technology from History Hit with me, Dallas Campbell. James Dean, Holly Golightly uh, from Breakfast at Tiffany's, Bob Dylan, Roy Orbison, What do they have in common? Well, they're incredibly cool. One, two, they're famous for wearing sunglasses. It's weird, isn't it? How the right pair of sunglasses, dark things that you wear over your eyes, can make you perceive someone as being a little bit cool, a little bit kind of rock and roll. But who invented the sunglasses? And how did they become cool? Was there like a moment when sunglasses went from protecting your eyes to becoming a fashion statement, an iconic cultural symbol. Well, Vanessa Brown, author of Cool Shades, The History and Meaning of Sunglasses, knows everything about sunglasses, and she joins me now on this episode of Patented to answer all your burning questions about sunglasses. Enjoy. Vanessa, welcome to the show. Lovely to have you with us. Thank you. It's sunny today outside. Yeah. It's kind of the first sunglasses weather. How did you get, just before we start, how did you get interested in sunglasses? I was trying to think about what I might study for my PhD. I'd always been interested in coolness. I've been to art school and I've noticed that some people just seem to have this magical quality and other people just didn't. I understand that quality. Um, (laughs) from afar or from within generally from afar (laughs) so that was what I was thinking about and I was looking because I'm a visual culture specialist I was interested in the sorts of images and fashion accessories that particularly seem to embody this idea and of course sunglasses quickly came to mind got my notebook out started writing and just couldn't stop and then I knew I was onto something 
Why are sunglasses cool? Why have they become this great symbol of cool? I mean, this is after an awful lot of research of an awful lot of examples and thinking about all kinds of different cultural factors and different theories. I think that sunglasses are particularly good in the modern world as a kind of armour against a lot of the kind of chaos and the threats to self, but also the demand on us to look good that is particularly noticeable developing in the 20th century. So I think that's a really important part of it. And because they cover your eyes and your eyes are such a vulnerable part of who you are and such an important part of who you are, they are at once very visible, but also a very portable and relatively cheap way of transforming your identity or indeed transforming the way you interact with other people. I think that's really why it is. Also, I think that obviously this connection specifically with coolness is the idea that they detach you in masking your emotions. So that's all bound up in all of that. In a world of media, imagery, sunglasses are really bold statement and very portable and easy to wear. And I think that's one of the other reasons why not only do people wear them, but also we've created billions of images that rely on them for their appeal. Almost like a mask, isn't it? It's sort of detachment that you suddenly become someone else. And I suppose the sort of language of design over time through films and movie stars and the fact that you can't see your eyes, the idea that the eyes are a window to the soul and you cover that window, you develop a kind of mystique or a mystery or a... I just want to get a barometer benchmark of, like, who's the coolest person ever? Who defines cool? I think it would be it would be a mistake to miss out Miles Davis in terms of someone who embodies the notion of cool that really defined a century of coolness. He's featured in sunglasses on the album from the 1950s, Birth of the Cool, and it's really iconic. Those black jazz musicians that wore sunglasses had such a kind of sense of self-possession in the face of, you know, incredible prejudice and social forces of racism that were against them, and they really pioneered aesthetically how they dressed, how they presented themselves, how they held themselves together, but also in terms of their music, which was going way beyond conventional boundaries. So, yes, I'm saying Miles Davis. Actually, just thinking about musicians, I always remember Roy Orbison, who was never particularly, like, cool Roy Orbison. He was a kind of weird, slightly awkward-looking guy. But I love Roy Orbison music, and he was, of course, famous, not just wearing sunglasses, almost like welder's glasses. They were so impenetrable. Yeah. They were ridiculous. Yeah. I spent a lot of time when I was a kid trying to be James Dean. James Dean had these particular Ray-Bans that I always liked. They were my favourite. I can totally see it. And you can also point to someone like Audrey Hepburn as Holly Golightly in Breakfast at Tiffany's, which is a very different sort of cool. But nevertheless, equally iconic, I think, for people putting their shades on, hoping to pull off that kind of look and that kind of composure. When I was about, I think I must have been about 16, and I was going through my big James Dean Marlon Brando phase. My dad, who was an airline pilot, had a pair of original Ray-Ban aviators mm. flying, you know, because he was a pilot, like mm. standard issue from the 1960s. They were like the coolest things ever. I coveted them. You know, yeah. and, and of course, I was not allowed to touch them because they were mm. his Ray-Bans. Mm. Very, very cool aviators. The day he retired, he gave me his aviators, these beautiful, original, wow. proper, the real deal. I had them in the car door of my car. I opened the door and I slammed the door and they fell out and I reversed over them. 
Oh. I was not cool. Enough about that. I want to delve into the history of that because I can understand why they've become such a kind of staple of fashion, over in particularly in the 20th century. Was there such a thing as the first pair of sunglasses? I mean, were there glasses first? And then suddenly someone thought, oh, I know, let's stick in a... Because I'm thinking about safety glasses in a way. I was thinking, actually just mentioning welding glasses. People would wear glasses to protect themselves. Where, how far back can we go? We can, we can go back all the way, really, for something that people used as sunglasses. I mean, so in ancient history, people innovated things with coconut shell and whalebone. You'll have seen those sort of glasses with the slit. So it's more of a sort of shade. Also, Aztec and Inca cultures they had them but they but also slivers of onyx people use emeralds as a way of kind of negotiating the sun in extreme exposure but they don't really become a fashion accessory until i'd say the 1920s and they don't really enter fashion imagery until the 1930s in history in the studies that I did, I came across little pockets of people talking about maybe people going on expeditions on horseback or early rail travel. People wore glasses that weren't correcting their eyesight, but were tinted and were for wearing outdoors in those circumstances. And in about 1750 in Venice, there's a type of sunglasses called Goldoni and they were developed in Venice in, in about 1750 for wearing the gondoliers. But interestingly, and they look very much like modern sunglasses, unlike the other examples that I'm speaking about. But interestingly, they didn't spread. They didn't really go anywhere else. They didn't catch on beyond that for quite some time. It's not fair to suggest either that sunglasses appeared solely in Europe. So around the world, there were roughly simultaneous innovation. So they were Chinese sunglasses around the same time as the Goldoni ones. But again, what did happen is you're exactly right, tinted glasses that were held on your head by what they're called riding temple glasses. So arms that sort of cling and rest above your ears, which it took them ages to work out how to keep glasses on you while you were moving. But once they'd done that, a lot of them were used for industrial purposes, yes. So it was welding, it was people sort of working in furnaces, people working on the railways, that kind of thing. And then gradually what you see in the manufacturer's offer is this idea of kind of these goggles, they called them goggles, and they were used for leisure pursuits that were available to the wealthy, you know, motoring, sailing, all kinds of things that were facilitated by modern technologies but they're still called goggles and and then of course you've got first world war where the fighter pilots had to do something to protect their eyes and there is evidence in the trade journals that this event that these people sort of went into the war and came out and that they had worn these glasses that this had given the glasses a little bit of cachet certainly for men there's a lot of talk about how People perceive these goggles as ugly and that they're not fashionable. But you can start to see the seeds that would eventually become not just fashionability and popularity, but also that extra cachet of it means something about you to wear these things, that it means you've got some inner strength or inner quality that is somehow desirable. That utilitarian, the practicality of things, things like sportswear, I guess, flying jackets, motorcycle jackets, 
have all come from practical places and have sort of developed within sort of fashion, I suppose. But just actually, just kind of talk about the, the, the kind of architecture of glasses. You know, you mentioned those arms that go around the ears. Like, when did someone go, I know how we can keep glasses on our face rather than sellotape? <laughs> I don't know. Why did people... Early, early 18th century, about 1730, they came up with this idea that you could sort of hinge them in such a way that they would stay on. Prior to that, you had all kinds of things like it's really quite funny. Some of the solutions, things like a big prong that you would stick in your wig, obviously the pince nez, so a spring to sort of clip on your nose. People held them, of course. The lorgnette was glasses on a handle, you know, and they they tried also sort of weird sort of clip, but they weren't very good. And until they did that. So until about 1730, early-ish 18th century, you couldn't really do anything in them because they would fall off. So the association of spectacles with people who were bookish and indoorsy and sometimes ill as well was really strong. So that was one of the things that was really interesting to me too, that we think of sunglasses as cool, but also historically and traditionally and conventionally, people have thought of spectacles as geeky and the opposite of cool. So I was really energised as a researcher into like, how can this thing that started out having this opposite meaning have become something that seems that sort of ultimate in desirable personhood? Okay, so we've got this. We've got the kind of architecture from the 1730s of perhaps glasses, how we we might think of them. We've discussed the kind of practical wear, so goggles, that type of thing. Explorers. I actually, I was thinking, I, in the um, Scott Polar Museum in Cambridge, I was there the other day, and I noticed they had some glasses with just a slit across, so it doesn't let so much light in. Mm. Obviously, because it's very bright in the Arctic or the Antarctic. Yeah. So that and welding glasses. How do we go from that to Miles Davis? Well, as I said, the association with the First World War fighter pilots was really important. And they didn't wear the kind of aviators we associate with Tom Cruise in Top Gun, as you'll know. But it was quite heavy versions of these things. And they were really, they really were goggles. But nevertheless, they did bring this little seed of cachet. And actually... There's more to say about the fighter pilots because one of the earliest studies of a cool demeanour was of these German fighter pilots who exuded this quality called Lassigkeit, which basically means sort of relaxed attitude. And they were known for being cocky, rebellious, not following the rules of the army. But it translates roughly to coolness. But they were sort of naughty, they sort of laughed in the face of danger, you know, but they had to be incredibly composed in order to fly the planes because they were open, juddery. It was new and dangerous technology, not only the fact that they were risking their lives, but they developed this kind of like a walk that was kind of cocky that we associate with teenage subcultures throughout the 20th century. So there was this possibility that like you've mentioned, the flight jacket and so on, that a lot of things that people like them in those sort of occupations wore became a staple of what we consider to be cool fashion later. So that, I think we shouldn't underestimate that. But then I, I was expecting to see within, with the advent of sunbathing, particularly among 
the kind of European avant-garde, the Riviera set, so people like Chanel, Picasso, some of the early Hollywood stars who hung out together and partied on the beaches on the Riviera. I was expecting to see them in sunglasses in the 1920s, but you actually don't. And even though they were sunbathing and possibly owned them, they tended not to be photographed in them. So it's it's really interesting because there's application for a patent in yeah 1928 it's for a small sort of a bit of engineering but in order to sort of make a case for it he talks about the enormous number of sunglasses that are sold annually in America so we know that they were popular but they weren't really considered to be a fashion item and I think there was still this idea of ugliness and the idea of dark glasses as actually kind of something that people with really poor eyesight might wear, you know, or who've got facial disfigurement. That changes really with the advent of, I would say, Hollywood photography, because what you see is early Hollywood stars in the late 20s, early 1930s, being photographed backstage, offstage, arriving on set, on holiday, and the American emphasis on less on decorum and more on this kind of like more relaxed way of life meant that these sunglasses were part of these apparently sort of unstaged, although they were staged, photographs of, the, of these actors. And that really is the thing that you see making a big change to the way that sunglasses were marketed. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. 
Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. So really it was the advent of photography that really propelled the sunglasses into this sort of it almost it seems like an almost kind of anti-fashion which then becomes fashion yes i mean that's absolutely true that the idea of media and celebrity the growth of media and celebrity it goes hand in hand with this and as i said sunglasses are a really graphic signifier for a world of print culture and a world of media because they they're visible at very small scale, but they also have really packed quite a visual punch. So I think, yes, it, they're very much a kind of a tool of the cinematic and the media era. You know, there's a whole load of stuff about the idea of celebrity and how part of the reason they were wearing these as they arrived on set is because they didn't have their makeup on yet and they didn't want to be seen or snapped so it was a sort of a kind of mask for them in public too. Yes, yeah, so you see people coming out of courtrooms or celebrities in the morning before they've had their coffee but getting papped wearing their sunglasses as a sort of mask as well, which is all part of the mystique and cool, I suppose. Yes, and there was, I mean, another thing that really sort of, I suppose, exacerbated this is when more in the sort of, middle of the century in the 1950s, the sort of birth of the paparazzi. So being photographed when you weren't expecting it by someone who might have quite an aggressive agenda. And at that point, it really felt like a violent shock because they didn't have the kind of long range lenses that they have now. So they would come up to you and literally explode a bulb in your face to get the picture. There's some really interesting stories about specific paparazzi doing this on purpose to get a reaction from celebrities as well. Like just the act of being sort of attacked in this way would make them behave in an unpredictable way. And then that would make an even better picture. So they started wearing sunglasses as a form of really quite necessary protection against that kind of attention, which of course then makes it desirable. So you've got movie stars in the 40s and 50s. There seemed to be a turn in the 60s as well. Sunglasses became this great symbol of counterculture as well. When I think of people like Andy Warhol, for example, you never, ever saw his eyes. Bob Dylan wearing sunglasses in the 60s. The kind of 60s counterculture seemed to take it from the Hollywood fashion set and it became something else. The language of the sunglasses changed. Well, I would say that that is true and certainly... You know, those people knew how to use the media and Andy Warhol branded himself very in a very self-conscious way, very similarly to how people do, you know, through social media today. He knew exactly how to create an image that was instantly recognisable and reproducible. And that was part of it. But I think the thing that's missing there that is most significant is the coolness, as I say, of the black jazz musicians in the 1940s. So in 1943... Charlie Parker, 
was seen in sunglasses, performing in sunglasses, dark glasses in a dark nightclub with a dark suit is the first example I have found a record of somebody doing this. And he was obviously one of the most edgy of the jazz musicians. And there was a whole kind of multi-layered thing going on here, which is about, you know, these black men associating themselves with celebrity, with modernity, with, you know, fashion accessories and with, you know, they wore suits and, a little bit later, people like Dizzy Gillespie wore the garb of the left bank intellectual as well. So there was association with the avant-garde in Paris. It was really multi-layered. I think it's really interesting that in the context of racist society, these sunglasses had an importance that wasn't just about making a bold statement visually, or at least that that bold statement had a political element to it. And one of the things that in the histories of these black musical pioneers is that they would do all sorts of things to avoid eye contact with the white owners of clubs that they performed in and with the white audiences that they often performed to. But at the same time, creating this incredible image of self-possession and unbotheredness, detachment from what was going on around them and just the focus on their music and their virtuoso ability with that music. That's really interesting. So in a way, it was a kind of almost like a disguise to sort of separate you from the establishment. Yeah, there was a play in the 50s called The Connection, and it was promoted with an image of a black man in sunglasses and a white man in dark sunglasses, just sort of overlapping one another. And this indicated the connection between the black avant-garde and the white American avant-garde of the 1950s, the beat generation. There was a strong affinity in the sense of outsiderhood that was felt by those artists and intellectuals who were white with that black subculture. And that, and that's really where that then tips into your 60s, Andy Warhol and Velvet Underground thing. So it all joins up. So from sort of high fashion from the Riviera through to jazz through to various sort of different subcultures. Where are we now, though? Well, what do sunglasses mean now? They, in our sort of post-modernity, I suppose sunglasses can mean whatever you want. They can be fashion, they can be anti-fashion, they can be whatever, anything goes. It's really interesting because one of the questions that I've asked myself is fashion by default and cool by default must change. It's elusive. You know, you can't use the same garment to appear cool you have to know what the zeitgeist is and you have to be ahead of it to be cool you can be fashionable by being sort of like doing what everyone is recently doing but to be cool you've got to be either against that in a stylish way or you've got to be ahead of the game so it's really fascinating that sunglasses haven't left that kind of edgy fashion imagery every now and then they sort of die down a little bit and obviously there's all kinds of things you can do with different frames and different forms of them but the idea of shading your eyes as a way of saying that you're cool seems to be something we can't shake off and I think it I think it's really interesting that by now shouldn't we be finding ways of shading our eyes that don't involve a bulky thing 
that we have to plonk on us. It all feels a bit 20th century, doesn't it? Like there should be some way of doing this that is more seamless with the body. You know, technology and sort of, is all about sort of becoming invisible and, and being less heavy. We're going into a sort of immaterial world in the 21st century. But I think the reason sunglasses have hung around is is partly, I mean, obviously partly because we don't have those inventions yet that are really doing that for us but also because in imagery it's still a really economical way of saying all sorts of things about you and one of the things that was really fascinating to me when I was writing my book and still is is the range of ideas that are incorporated in this one object so say if you were making a book about Hollywood you might not have a very big budget for your for your book cover. You might reach for a pair of Ray-Bans as a signifier of Hollywood and celebrity more generally. Fashion, you could do the same. Music, indie music, you could do the same. Jazz music, you could do the same. Rock music, you could use. Dance music, DJing, you could do the same. Punk, you could use some Ray-Bans. So it's like there are so many, even America you might choose or consumer culture more generally. Sunglasses embody so many different meanings that are relevant to the to the modern world that they that they have all of this in there. It makes them indispensable to us, really, as a way of communicating things. And the other thing is that they are they can communicate inner states that are invisible. So if I am defiant, they are a good way of showing that. If I am feminine and glamorous, they are a good way of showing that. If I am someone who's really wedded to sort of, you know, the status that high end luxury brands bring, sunglasses can do that. You know, the advent of the glasses that have branding incorporated into the arms was significant in the 60s and 70s for that. So I think when we wear sunglasses now, there's more of a obviously there's going to be more of a knowing quality to it. We are pretending to be any of these characters of the past who've who've worn them we're displaying different parts of ourselves we know that it's a bit embarrassing to try to be cool so maybe there's a sort of ironic use at times but nevertheless people still reach for them and they still put them on that's the secret isn't it being cool is if you're trying to be cool you're not cool you mentioned ray-bans ray-bans are such a good example because that you have that interesting transition from well, Ray-Bans were worn by pilots and Ray-Bans were worn by astronauts. Obviously, those professions became quite cool, didn't they? You mentioned Tom Cruise and Top Gun wore the classic aviators. In a way, brands like Ray-Ban kind of represent all those images of masculinity and or what was masculinity. And, and I suppose, what was the sort of, for women, what was the kind of, the other kind of great brand? I think of, you, you mentioned Chanel. Who was who the other great brand that made made sunglasses? For women specifically? Yeah, for women specifically. I'm not sure that there really has been a brand that has aimed their sunglasses at women specifically, apart from where brands that are known for women's wear have then transferred their branding onto sunglasses. Part of the reason that sunglasses can make women look cool is because they are so heavily rooted in a masculine aesthetic, I think. In the 50s, you see a really kind of interesting development that frame design does become 
much more expressive and feminine sort of novelties like, you know, the classic Lolita, heart-shaped glasses and the the kind of cat eye things that might have had a load of diamante on them or there were all kinds of things like swans and all sorts of stuff like that, shells. And so there was, with the sort of development of plastics and the demise, actually, this is really interesting, but the demise of the elaborate hair comb in- industry meant that people who would have made hair combs that would have been highly decorative when women sort of didn't have long hair anymore they didn't need these combs those manufacturers went into making sunglasses with a more expressive frame in mind so there is a there is a sort of feminine form of that that you know stereotypically if we're talking about coolness that's one of the things that's really striking that's why that image of Audrey Hepburn from Breakfast at Tiffany's is so iconic because she's she's wearing a style of sunglasses that really is at odds with everything we know about Audrey Hepburn's character, her vulnerability, you know. And actually everyone who's written about coolness has focused on the idea of masculinity as being sort of core trait. But there is a sort of feminine coolness that has a historical dimension, which is very much about being sort of cold and haughty. And that is something that fashion imagery has always deployed. So sunglasses help something that was already there in women as well. Vanessa, listen, thank you so much. You've given us a beautiful tour of cool, as well as the history of sunglasses. Thank you very much for coming on and sharing your your knowledge with us. You're welcome. There we go. Thank you very much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you're going to dust off your sunglasses although it's the end of summer sadly so sunglasses are probably going back back in the drawer ready to be brought out next year if you've enjoyed the show don't forget as ever please tell your friends to listen to it it helps us a lot and we would appreciate it greatly thank you very much for your company we do hugely appreciate it and i look forward to seeing you well chatting with you next time Small details are big surfaces, tight corners are odd shapes, flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rustolium. This message comes from BOF sponsor eBay. You'll know real when you get it. It'll say eBay Authenticity Guarantee. And you'll feel it. Maybe it's a head-turning handbag, a watch that says it all, jewellery that makes you look like the gem, or sneakers and streetwear so fresh every step feels fly. eBay gets it. So look for the blue check mark next to that thing you love. And be confident that every inch, stitch, sole, and logo is checked by experts. With eBay Authenticity Guarantee, you can trust that feeling of real is always in reach. Ensure your next purchase is the real deal. Visit ebay.com for terms. While I still have you, very briefly, if you fancy getting all of the History Hit podcast archive... 
and new episodes ad-free, along with hundreds of history documentaries to watch. Download our app across Apple App Store, Google Play, and smart TV platforms. Follow the link in the show notes or go to historyhit.com slash subscribe. There is thousands of hours of history on there, including a documentary on science in the Middle Ages with Seb Falk, and also one with me talking about the secret history of the space race. As a patented listener, you get a special gift if you use the code patented at the checkout. You get 50% off your first three months. That's patented for 50% off your first three months. And if you're an Apple listener, you can subscribe for new ad-free podcast episodes within the Apple app.